0: heartstock radio and i'm your host carol murphy today our guest is rain guest and she's going to be with us in just a moment to tell us all about what she is doing at our water and also remember that you can find us on facebook you can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com this is heartstock i'm your host carol murphy thanks so much for listening this land was made for you and me as I went walking at ribbon a highway I saw a This is HeartStock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. Today, our guest is Rain Guest, and she's the founder and CEO of Our Water. Hi, Rain. How are you today? I'm doing well, Carol. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, Thank you for being our guest. So, Rain, what is Our Water? Well, at Our Water,
1: we've actually created this smart computer system that enables our customers to create a healthcare-grade disinfectant and all-purpose cleaner by separating salt. So it's this new advanced kind of cleaning and disinfecting system.
0: And you, and you said by separating salt? By separating
1: salt. I know it sounds so simple. Um, when you separate salt, it's actually called electrolysis. So salt is sodium chloride, and when you recombine sodium with water, you could actually get sodium hydroxide, which is the active ingredient in most soaps and detergents, and we use the chlorine side of the salt to actually produce hypochlorous acid, which is the active ingredient in our disinfectant. And hypochlorous acid kind of sounds scary, but it's actually what your white blood cells make to fight pathogens, and it's the part of bleach that actually kills pathogens
0: as well. So it's something that our own bodies naturally create? The hypochlorous acid, yes, or white blood cells. Mm. This is really fascinating. And I have to say that I've, I've actually used such a disinfectant. And, and ju- we'll get a little bit more uh, deeply and detailed into that as far as the science and how it works. But what I'd really like to find out about is your path and your journey, I was looking on LinkedIn and like so many of our guests, you have this huge breadth uh, to your background. Can you talk about that a little bit, Rain? What you you did before? You know, I was... (laughs) Kind of confused in my 20s.
1: <laughs> I almost knew I wanted, you know, I love traveling, and I almost knew I wanted to do something um, to have an impact in the world. So I was kind of bouncing around, doing different things. You know, I was a life coach for a little while. You know, I take random sales jobs. I was working overseas in Europe for a little bit, um, trying to form a co-op between the four major manufacturers of micro pumps. I mean, I just was doing kind of all these different things. And when I was in my early 20s and moved out to Los Angeles, I actually had a roommate out there for a year, Marina Del Rey, and she was a um, me- like a medical device rep. And I remember getting so frustrated because she would get these boxes, like, a brochure in this two by two box with all this, you know, stuffing in it and packing in it. And I was like, this is so wasteful. And then I started really taking heed of, you know, our hallway closets in the apartment complex and seeing all this trash overflow out of it. And I, it just started making me nauseous, probably because I grew up in such a really, uh, a really pristine area in Idaho rural town of about 800 people. Um, So anyway, I started a recycling program at my apartment complex. And, you know, I was doing other things business-wise. I went back to school at UCLA to get my executive degree and was just trying to, you know, like most people figure things out. Um, I really wanted to be passionate about whatever I did. And, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, you know what, why don't I start doing recycling programs? So I started going into like hotels, large, large buildings. And teaching them how to source separate their waste. I mean, this is back in the early, mid-2000s. So it was before recycling was really a thing. Um, So I'd go in, teach them how to source separate all their commodities, you know, their paper, plastic, cardboard, how to bale it, sell it. Because there was an official board market value to all of these products. So I was saving hotels quite a bit of money on their trash um, bills. And one of my clients was the core hotel group and the director... Of facilities asked if I could develop a recycling program for an island in the Caribbean that they were doing a development on. Um, and I was like, Yeah, absolutely. So um, started working with government officials out there, speaking with them, and they let me know a big problem that they had had is that when you know they had an influx of development on the island, so they had a lot more resorts and hotels than previous than they had in previous years, and a problem that had occurred is. All the chemical concentrate containers from the hotels, when they went into the landfill, the toxic residue inside the containers had seeped into the groundwater and contaminated the aquifer, which was the source of drinking water for all the islanders. So people had started getting sick. And that was just kind of my first, oh, wait, chemicals aren't good for us. They can be bad. They can cause harm. Right. So that was really kind of what led up to me learning about water electrolysis and that there were other ways to create disinfectants and cleaners that didn't harm the environment.
0: And, and what year was that?
1: Oh, we're back in, in about 2008.
0: Okay,
1: don't you? Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So um, the core group, actually, there was kind of a similar technology to mine uh, from a company out on the East Coast. And we started implementing that technology in the core group's hotels because, you know, they, once we learned about the problem, they wanted, they're a very environmentally conscious group and they wanted to not, you know, cause these issues anymore. So we started putting these devices in hotels um, so that they didn't have to throw away chemical containers anymore. And after about six months, though, a large chemical company came and bought that company and shelved them because it cut into their profits too bad. They didn't want new technology around. They wanted things to stay the same. So I was upset about this, to say the least, um, because by that time, too, I'd seen all the negative health consequences that hotel workers were having because of the chemicals being used. You know, they have huge aspiration issues, um, allergies, skin dermatitis. I mean, they're just really suffering because they weren't given the proper protective gear when they were using these products. And they're using these chemicals in unventilated rooms for eight hours a day. And everybody was just too afraid to say anything, right? Because, you know, they re- relied on their minimum wage job to support their families. So anyway, just knowing how much better this, technolo- this type of technology was for the environment and for workers when that company bought it and shelved that other company I just went on a mission to find a new way to produce the product um, and found a new process
0: and got it patented. So let's talk more about that but first how how about Idaho where where in Idaho did you grow up? because you know we're we're neighbors here in Montana so i'm I'm just curious what influence that had on you early on. Oh well,
1: I grew up in a small town uh, called Cascade, Idaho, which is near McCall. You're familiar with that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's about an hour and a half north of Boise, up in the mountains. Beautiful. Um, I would say so. My parents obviously had a huge influence on me because they were very resourceful, but very aware of the fact that what we did affected our surroundings. I mean, as an example, one of the things my parent after dinner every night, you know, one of us kids. I have three siblings. We all took turns turn doing dishes while my parents went for a walk. So, that, you know, they both worked full time. My mom was a nurse at the time and my dad was in the military. And they would bring a bag with them while they were on their nightly walk to pick up trash alongside the road. And that was just something they did every night because... And, you know, we had a lake by our house and people would come up and camp there. And my parents would send us down with trash bags to go pick up after everybody. And I remember, you know, just really being like, hey, this isn't my trash. And my parents would look at me and be like, well, is it your lake? <laughs> you know, if you want if you, if you you want to take ownership in the lake, you better go. You know, it doesn't matter whose trash it is. Just go take care of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they definitely um, had influence. And being raised in a beautiful area had influence because, you know, when I moved to LA, seeing that contrast, right? In Cascade, Idaho, you didn't see trash laying around, right? You didn't see dumpsters overflowing. You didn't see, or you just didn't see it. Then you go to LA and people just throw trash and have an attitude of, oh, well, it's the street cleaner's responsibility to pick up after me. You know, so it was, it was a theme that that big difference really starts getting your mind going.
0: Yes, I can relate. Um and that's quite the juxtaposition uh from Idaho to LA. <laughs> Where in Just, Montana are you? We're located here in Butte and um you know, beautiful big sky country. Um and it's it's wonderful to be so close to nature, but um then Tell us a little bit about your educational background, because it seems like maybe that might have influenced your path as well.
1: So, educationally, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had so many interests. So, I just went, I kind of bounced around to different colleges. I, I started at University of Idaho as a nutrition major. And stayed a semester, and I was like, you know, I'm really not feeling it here. I I feel like my time's done here. So then I transferred to Boise State University and majored in business. And then after a semester there, I said, you know, I I really miss playing sports because I had scholarship offers in both basketball and volleyball coming out of high school, and I didn't take the scholarships up, scholarship opportunities up. So after a year of not playing sports, I really missed it, and contacted some coaches and one of them said, hey, if you can get over to Longview, Washington this week, I just lost a player. Um, I'll give you a scholarship. So I packed up my car and went over to Longview, Washington, stayed there for a little bit. And then I started traveling, um, took all the money I had earned growing up, you know, because I worked as like a waitress. I worked for the Forest Service, did bookkeeping for local gas stations, stuff like that um i started just backpacking went to vietnam went to europe cuz i really wanted to see see the world right when you I mean, you know how it is when you're in a place where there's beautiful mountains and it's like you you don't see the end of anything right you want to see more it's it's like the world's your playground so when i got older you know i just really wanted to go and you know see everything especially cuz you know growing up in a small town we weren't exposed to a lot so after, you know, traveling, I was like, okay, I missed college. So then I went um, to University of Hawaii, Hilo, and studied marine biology for a year. And then I was kind of broke because there wasn't uh, too many job opportunities on the big island. And I was like, okay, let me go to Nevada. So I went out to Reno, Nevada for a little while. And... Then I started working, so I stopped going to school for a little bit, and then a couple years later, I uh, went back to UCLA and got my executive degree. But I'm actually looking, I got accepted to UT Dallas, because um, I'd actually like to get more of a science degree, and then also a master's in public health and public policy. So, and, uh, never stop learning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and do you consider yourself a lifelong learner? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I think that's something that we got from our parents as well. My mom, actually, she was a nurse for, oh gosh, I don't know, 25, 30 years. And then when I was in high school, she went back and became a nurse practitioner. And my dad was always, you know, learning at night. He was always sitting, solving math problems. They worked a lot with us in the evenings. Um, My dad used to give us math lessons in the evenings. He was a math teacher at one point in his life. He had varied careers as well. so. Yeah, a life learner, but I really like variety. You know, they say variety is the spice of life. So I, I like to experience new things. I like to get to the root cause of problems. I like to solve things. I like to jump in and figure them out.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're at about that halfway point here, and we're going to take a quick music break, and we will be right back with Rain Guest. This is Heart Stocks. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Heartstock Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, our guest is Rain Guest. Hi again, Rain. How are you? Hi, Carol. Doing well. Excellent. So you're you're speaking with us now from Texas, and I'm just kind of curious how much COVID has influenced your company and uh, the trajectory.
1: Well, it's been interesting. So when COVID first hit, right, everybody was just absolutely scrambling. But people were a little afraid to do business with us because we're the new kids on the block, right? We're not one of the big name chemical companies. So it has definitely helped us. But what I found is instead of people changing their base disinfectants, they just started adding more products on. So they kept their base disinfectant and cleaner and then added UV robots or um, added, you know, electrostatic sprayers, um, which was very frustrating because uh, we have a very short contact time on our disinfectant. Disinfectant uh, contact times can range anywhere from, you know, 30 seconds for COVID up to 10 minutes. Um, the vast majority of products on the EPA's recommended list N is 10 minutes, um, and we kill COVID in 30 seconds, and we're healthcare grade in one minute. So, and we're non-toxic and produced on site. So, I was just thinking, wow, this is going to be, you know, a game changer for us. But people were really scared to make any change. So now what we're seeing, though, is people have kind of calmed down, everybody's settled in a little bit. So they're looking more for the long term solution, uh, which is good, because now we're having some, you know, very serious conversations with a lot of large organizations to, you know, get on board with them moving forward.
0: So let's talk about the science of how it works. You take regular tap water and turn it into a disinfectant. Is that right?
1: Well, you can't just do regular tap water. So our computer system is mounted on a wall in like a janitor's closet, and it's hooked to a water line, Um, and the customer adds salt pellets to our computer system. Um, There's an electrical charge from the outlet, obviously, that goes into our device, and it causes... You know, we have ion-selective membranes and titanium coated electrodes inside. And when this electrical charge hits, it actually causes the salt, which is sodium chloride, to separate and go through these ion-selective membranes into two separate chambers. Once it's in those two separate chambers, the active ions recombine with water. So on one side, you know, you have the sodium ions going through. And when the sodium ions recombine with water, you make sodium hydroxide. And then on the other side with the chlorine ions recombined with water, you get the hypochlorous acid. So it's, so it's not just adding. Oh, go
0: ahead. No, go, go ahead. I was just um, going to try and clarify some of that. Oh, please go for it. <laughs> so essentially you're taking the water and the salt and you're creating a highly acidic liquid that then can be sprayed on surfaces.
1: Well, we're creating two liquids. Mm -hmm. One of the liquids is made from the chloride ion from salt, and the other liquid is made from the ion. So there's actually two products. Mm -hmm. Which, when people think, you know, you make you're making products from salt water, they automatically assume that there's going to be salt in the final product. But we're actually separating the salt the sodium chloride, to make the two products.
0: And those are combined in one, then, just like a mechanical sprayer that you spray on to surfaces to disinfect them? Is that how it works? You
1: no, know, So they're actually made inside the device. The liquid products are made inside the device and stored in holding tanks. And then the customer goes to the device and they fill up spray bottles or auto scrubbers or carpeting cleaning equipment, whatever, or mop buckets. However they want to go take that product and deliver it and use it, um, they can. But the machine makes it, and then it sits in the machine as liquid in two separate chambers.
0: And does that makes sense? It does. It does. And um, at first, it seems a little hocus pocus. <laughs> but it really, and, and I'm sure that's where some of the, the fear for customers comes in. It's like, does this really it work? Seems, it's just salt and water. Yeah, it seems too good to, to be deal? true. Yeah. How, it how can this be too virus? good to be true? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about that aspect of it. And it sounds like you have some pretty detailed studies showing the effects of this new compound and liquid that you're using as a disinfectant. How it interacts with contagions and pathogens. Can you talk more about that too, please? Yeah. So we got our testing
1: done at a EPA FDA audited laboratory. Um, basically, you know, there's certain criteria for testing that the EPA requires for one step healthcare grade disinfection. Um, so we underwent that testing at the laboratory and we chose a very short contact, one minute for that testing. Um, you can, t- it can take up to 10 minutes and you can still pass um, the EPA's requirements. Uh, but we did our testing in one minute. And we killed 100% of the pathogens tested in one minute, which is really good because the EPA only requires that you kill 98% in 10 minutes and you can still pass the test.
0: What are all the pathogens that they test for? They test the toughest
1: gram negative and gram positive pathogens for healthcare grade disinfection because they figure that if you uh, are effective against those, then you'll be effective against the other bacteria Mm -hmm.
0: and viruses.
1: Okay. So, but then for COVID testing, um, they require that you test specific uh, viruses. There's different types of viruses. There's enveloped, non-enveloped, small, large. So there's a hierarchy. So you have to test something that's at least as hard to kill as the SARS or harder in order to pass those tests. And we passed that test in 30 seconds. Um, we actually have testing being done right now for 20 seconds, um, but it takes about 10 days to get the testing completed. So I think we're about a week away from getting those results. So we're really excited because there's no product on the list end that has 20-second contact time. Hmm.
0: And how about comparable solutions? You You were mentioning the toxicity. Do you have any data for us as far as how this compares to those other chemicals and just some of the toxicity issues with those other chemicals. How toxic are they?
1: Well, it depends on what chemical you're using, right? I mean, there's so many. I think even on the list end, there's 600 disinfectants. So one of the nice things about hypochlorous acid is your body recognizes it right? So it it doesn't hurt people. It doesn't hurt their skin at certain levels, right? At 200 parts per million, which is where we produce ours at, um, it doesn't cause any damage. I mean, you can spray it in your eyes and your mouth and it's not going to hurt you. Um, We actually, you know, use it for personal wound care. (laughs) So it works really, you know, it works really well. The problem with a lot of uh, disinfectants is it's not just the active ingredient you're getting in them. You know, they add other chemicals for color. And then when you add other chemicals for color, you have to add more chemicals so that that color disperses evenly. And when you start adding a bunch of chemicals together, you have to really up the active ingredient for it to be effective as well. So pretty soon when you start adding, you know, these chemicals for color, for studs, for fragrance, you know, for all these things that are unnecessary, you end up creating this lieu of chemical that just really does more harm than good. So, I mean, we'd have to take on a case-by-case scenario, the product. You know, one of the schools we just went into, they were using a product that literally on the label, in the ready-to-use form, not even the concentrate, but in the ready-to-use form, it causes moderate eye damage or moderate eye irritation. and um, it's harmful if absorbed in the skin. Now, these are the products that were spraying on kids' desks, right? These are the products that they're laying their arms on. You know, it's, it's unbelievable to me that it, it's really even legal for us to use these products. I mean, in nursing homes, they use products that attack your liver and organs, other organs. I mean, it says it right on the label, and it blows my mind that that it would even be allowed.
0: And all of this eventually is ending up in our water systems, right? Um, As things well, it's
1: ending up in our water systems, but it's in—it's also getting—it's getting in our bodies. You know, if we're breathing these fragrances of these myths, if we're touching our skin, the surfaces that have these residues on it, our body has to process that.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so yes,
1: it's uh, you know the less chemicals you can use to get the job done the better off you are, right? And that's kind of what we stand for. We're like, hey, we're going to give you the ability to produce non-toxic products that are extremely effective on site. You don't have to worry about supply chain shortages. You don't have to worry about hazardous waste. You don't have to worry about the people in your building, you know, being harmed by them. It's an advancement in technology that goes beyond what's previously been done for the last you know, five decades.
0: How have you been funded?
1: So, slowly but surely, Mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning, I was doing consulting work, you know, to make money for prototype uh, parts. Um, You know, my brother came on board. He's a phenomenal engineer. So he was building prototypes out of his garage. Then um, as, you know, time went on, you know, like we had a doctor that gave us a $25,000 bridge loan. Um, An angel investor out of Santa Barbara that, you know, ended up giving us a couple hundred thousand. Uh, Oil and gas family from West Texas that came in for, you know, for a chunk of money. So it's just been kind of little bits and pieces here and there. Um, What I've found in the D.C. world, which has been really disheartening, is You know, they want to invest, but then they want to go sell it to a big chemical company to have them shelve it or to do what they want with it. And I really don't feel like that's why I got the technology. You know, I want to see the impact it can have because I've seen the harm that chemicals do to people. And I've seen the harm that it does to our environment. And when you look at how harmful it is on human health, but it's kind of like that silent Harm, right? I mean, I have doctors that call our cleaning and disinfecting chemicals the modern day asbestos because it's sneaky. It doesn't just harm you generally right off the bat, right? It's an accumulation in your body over time. So, you know, I'm just—it's all about finding the right partner, right? Um, You know, we could have got BC funding a few times, but again, they let me know straight up, hey, when we can go sell this off for four X, we're going to sell it, and I just didn't approve of that didn't feel right in my soul.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and how did you overcome those hesitancies from your customers? And let's talk about your customer a little bit, too. Who are they? Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, we're
1: in hospitals, we're in schools, we're getting started with airports. Um, I've got partners now in Brazil. Um, you know, we just, you know, car dealerships, restaurants, you know, pretty much you know, any larger facility. Um, And we got over the challenges, I guess, because there were people, there were trailblazers within the organizations that wanted to see change. You know, they wanted to see something that was more environmentally friendly. Um, They took the time to look at our lab reports to see how quickly our product killed pathogens. So,
0: you
1: know, like the city of Austin, they're one of our... They're one of our customers. They had an initiative. um, They have an initiative at the city to be zero waste by 2040. Well, we fit in with that initiative because, you know, by using our product, they don't have to throw any waste in the landfill. And what really sold them, though, because, you know, you can't see the disinfectant kill germs, right? You can tell that an area smells clean because bacteria causes odor. So if you eliminate the bacteria, a place just smells fresh right? But it was really the all-purpose cleaner that got us in with a lot of organizations to start pre-COVID, because people loved how well it worked on grout and carpet stains.
0: Mm.
1: So that was I the big you. selling point.
0: Yeah. We've got about a, a half a minute left here, and I'm hoping you can let people know how they can find you. Best way
1: to find me is to take a look. We have a website. It's www.r-water.com. Um, go on there, take a look, email us, ask any questions you may have. You know, We really do like to hear from people. So that would be a, an excellent resource for people.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story and the work that you're doing. Being in the, the healthcare industry myself, I have a huge appreciation for what you're accomplishing.
1: Well, one of the most gratifying parts of this last year has been getting emails from nurses that thank us for having our product in their facility, and they let us know how much safer they feel with it. So and thank you as well for all the work you do.
0: And this is Heartstock. We'll be back next week. See you then. Peace. Peace.
1: Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via livestream at butteamericaradio.org.
0: As I, went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the side. passing, but oh.